In the first few episodes of this podcast, we learned that although a woman's Torah reading or a child's Torah reading or even a slave's Torah reading might in principle be valid, a woman's reading infringed what the sages call kavod hatsibur, the respect due for the public. We weren't sure what kavod hatsibur, respect for the public, meant. And we looked up various examples in rabbinic literature. A Torah reader who wasn't dressed properly. A community that only possessed one Sefer Torah. So that if they needed to read from two places, if they needed to read two passages, perhaps on Shabbat Rosh Chodesh, they needed to keep the community hanging around while they rolled from one place to another place in the Sefer. We discussed a community that did not have a kosher Sefer Torah containing all five of the books of the Torah. They were reading from a chumash. A chumash in the language of the of the of rabbinic literature is a scroll that only contains one of the books of the Torah. And the Ram described a community that didn't possess a complete Sefer Torah as one that was impoverished. And then finally, we looked at a community who appointed a Baal Tefillah, a Shaliyah Tzibur, a prayer leader, um, from the youth. A prayer leader who was so young that he had, did not yet have a full beard. And that too was considered by the commentators to be an, uh, an infringement of Kavod Hatzibur. We did not understand why a woman's Torah reading should fall into this category, and we learnt the words of Rabbi Yehuda Henkin, who quoted the Ritva and Rabbi Avraham Minhahar, as well as learning the Ritva himself. And we learned that this appears to apply, this appears to imply that a community did not have men who could read, i.e. a community that relied on women as Torah readers was a community whose men were illiterate. And we learned the Mishnah from Bikurim and the words from Tosafot that made clear that today, in terms of Torah reading, we are all considered halachically illiterate. A professional Torah reader, a Baal Koreh, reads for everyone, whether they know how to read or not in order not to embarrass those who cannot read. So we thought perhaps the issue of kavod hatzibur, respect for the public, was moot, was no longer relevant to Torah reading today. Be that as it may, there's a further question which we need to examine, and this is the subject of today's podcast. Does the community have the right to determine for itself what constitutes its respect. Kavot HaTzibur literally means the respect due to the community. Does the community have the right to define for itself what constitutes respect? Let's begin with the Shulchan Aruch. In the case of a community that only possesses one Sefer Torah. 
and the Shulchan Aruch rules. Ein golalin sefer Torah b'tzibur mipnei kvod ha'tzibur. We don't roll a sefer Torah in public between one place and another place because of kvod ha'tzibur, respect for the public. But the Shulchan Aruch goes on to say, ve'im ein lahem eila sefer Torah echad, but if they only possess one sefer Torah, and they need to read two sections. Golalin, they roll it. And respect for the public is put aside. And this is the general approach, by the way, of the Shulchan Aruch. Rabbi Joseph Caro, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, and as we will see, the Bet Yosef, which is kind of a large version of the Shulchan Aruch, or to be more precise, the Shulchan Aruch is a digest of the Beit Yosef. Joseph Caro in the Beit Yosef rules that a community has the right to define for itself what is respectful. And we will see now that Maimonides, at least in one situ in the situation of the non-kosher Torah scroll or the Chumash, seems to take the same view. We learnt in the Mishnei Torah that a community should not read from a chumash, from a scroll containing only one of the five books of the Torah. This is not a printed chumash, like uh, as such as we have in our synagogues today. This is a scroll, but it's not a complete scroll. And Maimonides says that it is forbidden to read from them in public because of kavod because of respect due to the public. So, a questioner writes to him, asking, what about a community that has no Sefer Torah? What should they do? Or, Question regarding daily Torah reading in a community that has no Sefer Torah. Should they read from a Chumash, i.e. a book that does not contain all five of the books of the Torah, with the blessings before and after reading? Or should they refrain from reading entirely? Similarly, the question asks, if the Sefer Torah is not made according to Halakha, if it's not made properly, is it permitted for the reader to say the blessings or forbidden? And the Rambam answers absolutely definitively. Mutar levarech l'besefer Torah pasul. It is permitted to say a blessing over a Sefer Torah that is pasul, i.e. that is not made to the required standard. The Rambam is absolutely clear and absolutely at variance with the guidance that he gives in the Mishneh Torah. And this is not unusual, by the way. The Mishneh Torah is meant to be a manual for daily living. In his responsa, that Maimonides exhibits a sensitivity and a delicacy to the circumstances of the individual, which is completely different. He addresses himself purely to the questioner. And then he explains in this tshuva that the blessing recited on reading a scroll is not at all like the blessing recited on taking a lulav or sitting in a sukkah, 
Because if the lulav or the sukkah were pasul, if they were not made properly, this would be an empty blessing, a brachalavatala. We can't say the blessings recited on the commandment to take the object or to sit in the sukkah. And if these were not properly made, no mitzvah has been fulfilled, no command has been fulfilled. We cannot recite a bracha over an invalid lulav or an invalid sukkah. But he goes on to say, Vecham, Bekriya, Hamitzvah, Hiha Kriya, Besefer Torah, Bein Shekara, Besefer Kasher, Bein Shekara, Besefer Pasu, Vafilu Kara, Alpei Yivarech. In this case of reading from a Sefer Torah, the command is the reading, whether from a scroll that is Kasher or Pasu, whether from a scroll that's valid or not. One would recite the blessing even if one read from memory. And the Rambam is teaching something instrumental here, which is that the essence of Torah reading is the reading itself, or as the Igrot Moshe has taught in the previous podcast, in the listening to the Sefer Torah, on behalf of, in the listening that the congregation carry out, that mitzvah is not connected with the Sefer itself. And he then proves this. The proof of this idea is found in the tractate of Gittin. One does not read from a chumash because of respect for the public. The reason is the respect for the public. Could there be any greater defect in a Sefer Torah? He continues, the not containing all five books. If a Sefer Torah lacked one single letter, it would be invalid. So why was the reason given in Gittin as respect for the public? The rabbis could have said, the scroll is invalid and the blessing is empty. There's a brachal of atala. But they didn't do that. The prohibition on reading from a chumash is because of respect for the public and not because of the blessing is empty. In other words, when the sages tell us not to do something because of respect for the public, if the situation requires it, we can go ahead. The action itself is valid. We can recite the bracha. And then, of course, he continues to reinforce the words in the Mishneh Torah. Nevertheless, every community should have a Sefer Torah that is kasher, according to Halakha, and should read from it in the first instance. Absolutely, communities should have a proper Sefer Torah. But if they do not have one, they should read from one which is Pasul and should recite the blessings over the reading, as we have indicated. And thus taught Rabbeinu Chanoch the Sepharadi a blessed memory. And then he signs off Moshe ben Rabbi Maimon of blessed memory. And the Beit Yosef will teach the same halacha. The king katu, but Rabbeinu Yerucham desfarim shelanu she'enam asuyim katikun sefer Torah asuli krot b'tzibur. Thus wrote Rabbeinu Yerucham that our scrolls, which are not made like Torah scrolls, 
cannot be used for public reading. In other words, he's saying our books, the books that we have today, can't be used for public Torah reading. The question of respect for the public doesn't apply here because the community could forego its respect. I.e., Rabbeinu Yerucham forbids the use of a chumash, of today's chumashim, because they're not made like Torah scrolls. And the Beit Yosef goes on to say, so we learn from his words, the chumashim which are written like a Torah scroll, may be read from if the community forgoes its respect. The community has a right to forego its respect and in this case it's possible to read from the Chumash. What about the youth Baal Tefillah? The Baal Tefillah who's too young for his beard to fill out. The Beit Yosef rules in Orechaim. We only appoint someone as Shaliyat Sibur, someone whose beard has filled out. But someone just, who has just reached puberty, in other words, someone of 13, can go before the ark. That means to be a shaliyat sibur, to be a prayer leader. As long as it's on an occasional basis. And now he's going to quote the Rambam. And thus wrote the Rambam in the 8th chapter of Hilchot Tefillah. Someone who doesn't have a full beard should not be a shaliyat sibur. Even though he may be a great sage because of the respect for the public. But he may recite the blessings over the Shema as soon as he reaches puberty after his 13th birthday. And the Rambam, notice, does not make an exception for someone who is a Shaliyah Tzibur on an occasional basis. The Rambam says, on no account can someone without a full beard be a Shaliyah Tzibur. But, the Beit Yosef, Joseph Caro, after quoting their Rambam, goes on to say, According to this, if the public wanted to forego their respect, it seems that they have permission. And that's his ruling in the Shulchan Aruch. We only appoint someone who has a full beard because of Kvod Hatzibur, because of respect for the public. Aval, but a cry, But on an occasional basis, someone who's reached puberty can go before the ark. As long as the regular Chazan is not appointing him to substitute in his place. It seems, in other words, according to the Beit Yosef, according to Rabbi Joseph Caro, as if the public have the right to determine for themselves what their kavod is, what is their respect. And we're going to see now that while this seems to be the accepted halakha today, and in many synagogues in Israel and in Western Europe, it's considered normal, even praiseworthy, for the youth 
to take the Almud for a for a prayerly to be chosen from the youth. It's considered praiseworthy for a community to have youth who are willing and qualified to be your Edlifner Teva, to be a prayer leader. Even so we take it as normal that a youth can be a prayer leader, can be a Shaliatsibur. But Rabbi Joel Circus, the Bach, writing 50 years after the publication of the Shulchan Aruch is going to disagree. He's going to sharply disagree. First, he quotes the halacha. We only appoint someone whose beard has filled out. This is the halacha, which is quoted by the Ramba. And then he goes on to explain. It seems that neither the Rambam nor the Rashba would allow the public to forego their respect. In other words, the community cannot determine for itself what is respectful. He continues, for the meaning of respect for the public does not refer to human respect. We're not talking about human respect. In which case, the public could certainly forego it. But it means it's not respectful to the community to send before God someone to represent them who is not of imposing appearance. Just as they would only send a representative of stature and noble appearance and full beard to a king of flesh and blood, even if he was a great sage, all the more so to the king of kings, the holy in other words, the Bach is saying, look, this issue is not just about the community. It's about God. We don't send someone to represent us who is not suitable. Not We, we send our best, if you like, our best and our brightest before the community to represent us. This is with, written, of course, with regard to the Shaliat Sibur, to the prayer leader. Whether a woman's Torah reading fits within that category or not, the Bach does not make clear. In today's synagogues, women Torah readers are often as learned and as qualified as men. I'm not sure that a woman's Torah reading transgresses the Bach's directive that we only send our best and our brightest to represent us. But that's not the only reason he gives. He goes on. The matter is clear. Because the sages have ordained that they were concerned for the respect for the public, the public has no authority to forego it. In other words, we cannot abrogate a ruling of the sages even if that ruling is no longer relevant. That's the Bach's second reason. And then he gives a third reason. Vetu deim ken kol hani takanot shetiknu hachamim mipnei kvot hatzibur If Furthermore, if this were the case, and you said that the public were permitted to forego their respect, then all the ordinances of the sages concerning respect for the public would serve no purpose because every community would forego its respect. In other words, we've got the slippery slope. 
we start making an exception here and we end up making an exception everywhere. And then he gives the, the whole list, not rolling a, a Torah scroll in public, a woman not reading in public because of respect for the public, someone in rags not blessing the people because it's embarrassing, a child not blessing the people because it's not respectful to the public to be under his blessing. The Bach is saying, look, if you play around with one of these, everything goes, everything goes. And finally, the two, the Nasu Yisrael Agudot Agudot, and furthermore, Israel would split into separate groups. He's concerned here about consensus. One community would forego its respect and another would not. And he concludes, but clearly they, that is to say the community, has no power to uproot the ruling of the sages. And in this last point, the Bach reminds us of the words of Rabbi Huda Henkin, which we mentioned in an early episode of the podcast. Rabbi Henkin said, Gosh, I agree with most of those who speak out in favour of women's Torah reading, but nevertheless, women's Torah reading is against the consensus. And as long as it's against the consensus, we can't allow it. Now, Rabbi Henkin seems to be saying, look, in principle, I agree that there's no halachic problem, but as long as there's a social problem, we need to hold back. Rabbi Henkin's argument and Rabbi Joel Circus's argument, the argument of the Bach, that we need to hold back until there's consensus, these are valid arguments and they should be debated. But they should be debated in context. And of course, the context is the question of whether, in principle, Women are part of the society of those who study Torah at all. In other words, do women and Torah belong together at all? And that is a subject of the next episode of this podcast. <laughs>